Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the newsroom of Business and Vancouver Newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. And throughout much of my career, even as a manager in media, I've maintained some kind of activity of additional work as a writer or an editor, a broadcaster, a teacher in freelancing my services. The freelance activity in our society today is a vast one, and it's not always one's first choice, but in a lot of cases it is for its flexibility around your schedule or your lifestyle. And it can be a side hustle, as it has been for me, or a straightforward career of project-based work, as it is for millions in our economy. My guest today would have to be one of the world's experts on the experience of the freelancer. He's the CEO of Freelancer.com. It's a service uh, that I think you can find quite easily that has linked tens of millions of companies and individuals. If you've ever browsed the site, it's like a giant job board of opportunities. I was almost ready to sign up for a couple of things uh, before I could get off it. Matt Berry is in town this week, and I managed to get him into the studio between his engagements to talk about the phenomenon of the freelance economy. Thanks. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, Kirk. Um, is freelancing typically a choice for people, or is it often your only option? How many How many choose the life? Uh, it, I mean, absolutely is a choice. I mean, in today's world, you have a huge flexibility in t- terms of the career you can, you can pursue. Um, you know, there's you know, so many jobs now that can be performed over the internet across a very, very wide range of, of areas. We have over 1,200 different uh, skill categories and that's that job number is increasing rapidly. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the amazing thing now is that, um, you know, where in the past you were kind of limited in the career opportunities that were local to you. you know? yes. So if you're in a town, maybe there was a, a lumber mill and you had to go work there or a factory or whatever it may be. But now with access to the internet, you can work in a whole range of different skills. It can be anything as diverse as you know, astrophysics, aerospace engineering, web development, graphic design, <laughs> music, and so forth. And, you know, we really provide a you know, large liquid marketplace of jobs. We've had over 15 million jobs go through the marketplace to date, 2 million last year, where you can really find a niche that you're interested in and kind of subscribe to that niche. And as the jobs come through, if you're interested in taking them, you can you can do it as a full-time thing, you can do it as a part-time thing. It's really up to you and, and, and the flexibility is yours. So your service, and I would call it that, it's probably one of the uh, one, I think one of the first indicators that the internet was opening the world to conducting work from wherever you lived. Absolutely. And the complexity and the sophistication of the jobs year by year just gets you know, more and more and more. I mean, you know, human-computer interaction gets better. The- so employers are more and more willing to take the chance that they don't have somebody like sitting across a oh. desk from them as time goes on because of the success in the past. Yeah. S- well, certainly, actually, in the last two years, that's that's actually um, accelerating in a, in a big way. If you actually talk, we've, we started an enterprise division um, about a year, a year or so ago. And if you talk now to the heads of procurement at large Fortune 500 companies, you know, their, their thinking now is that, you know, we spend, you know, seven billion a year on, um, services globally. And mm-hmm. we want to find a way to put 10 or 20% of that through online platforms because we can marshal resources very, very, um, effectively and quickly. Um, skill sets that we may not have internally that previously would have to hire you know, full time. And yeah. I'll give you an example of that in a second. Um, it, you know, it's obviously very, very cost effective. And, um, you know, really the, the diversity and the breadth of talent, languages, locations, it's, it's unrivaled. Um, yeah, yeah. A, a classic example is um, we we do a lot of work, uh, for example, with NASA, 
And um, you know, since 2015, we've done dozens and dozens of projects, such as you know, building a uh, designing a smartwatch the astronauts can use um, uh, on the space station, um, uh, design of a robotic arm on a free flying uh, astronaut uh, robot uh, in mm-hmm. the space station, um, uh, 3D modeling for training the image recognition system of of, of the robot R2, and so forth. And you know, the very 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 first project that NASA posted on our site was to do a 3D model of a handrail. And this 3D model was of an existing handrail uh, and it needed to be constructed so that a robot could actually um, visualize it and actually uh, grasp it when it oh. did an EVA spacewalk. And this co- this project only cost $50. And um, overnight, they got uh, about 47 entries and ultimately about 150 people you know, submitted entries uh, for these models. And um, they said to me afterwards, they said, look, the old way we used to do work would would we write a job description for a three D modeler uh, in California? It would cost us maybe two hundred thousand dollars a year to in terms of salary. We'd have to gazette it internally for a month because we're a government organization. We'd then have to post it externally. We'd have to go interview candidates. Uh, eventually, we'd, we'd find someone. They'd have to give notice at their old job. We'd then get a, an office, a desk, a swipe card, a computer. They'd start work many many weeks later. And then they would produce so many models per, per you know, month or what have you. Right. The old website, I put my credit card in. I paid $50 and overnight I had 47 cho- choices. I guess you know, we wouldn't go back the old but, way of doing things. But reassure me here that this is not just a race for the bottom because you as a service would also likely make sure that your own reputation was enhanced by all of this, that you weren't simply finding you know the, the 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 lowest peg on the on the pole in order to fill a, a role in all of this. You have to make sure that there is some some quality in in the applicants too. What what, what kind of things do you want uh, out of the service to make sure that it's it's producing this kind of higher quality work? Sure. I mean, nobody hiring someone uh, wants to you know, hire the lowest peg on the, on, on, the, on the pole, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, quality is always first and foremost in terms of everything. Um, we're also very much a, a very laissez-faire marketplace in that um, when people actually work on a marketplace, they set their own pay rates. They choose when they want to work, how they want to work, where they want to work, what tools they want to use. Mm-hmm. It's very different from um, like a you know like a food delivery service where kind of you know, Grubhub, for example, where you know, you're told you know here are your rates, here's where you start work, here's the path you follow. Here's the type of vehicle you've got to have, etc. This is very much a very open free market where you can really dictate how you want to work and the price you want to set. Quality is always number one in the in the mind of, of everyone, and you know, obviously price is a factor, but there are many other factors as well which are very important, such as the speed of finding someone. Mm. You know, it may take you months, for example, to find the right candidate, but when you can jump into a into a you know, deep liquid pool of 31 million people, you can find someone very quickly that you know with the right skill set you need, no matter what the you know, skill it is that you're looking for. Are there uh, common attributes? Of the freelancer, Matt, is, does it attract a certain type of personality? Well, it, um, it is. It is very diverse uh, in many uh, circumstances. Um, you know, it, it, you, we get everything from you know very young entrepreneurial sort of types that kind of you know millennials that want to you know architect their own career career path. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you you think back, you know, my grandfather, you know, when he took a job, that was a, a job for life, right? Yes. And yeah, and yeah, he'd work at a, you'd work for decades, and at the very, very end, you'd, yeah, you'd get his gold pocket watch. And you uh, you count count the days to your pension. That's right, right? Yeah. My yeah, you know, my father, um, you know, he thought maybe twenty years was a was a was a career, and so he worked for a com- big company for twenty years. Then he started his own business and did that for twenty years, and that was his you know mm-hmm. professional working life. You know, um, you know, I'm Gen X, so I think maybe five years to ten years is probably a you know decent career. You've got to give you know each job a go. Um, you know, Gen Y is about two years. Millennials, one year, six months. Yeah, uh, freelancers, it's two weeks. 
So you can you can really architect your your own career in terms of you know I'll do some development for a while. Maybe I want to try getting into music. Maybe I want to try getting into design. Maybe I want to just you know, do some content writing. And you really get to kind of you know, learn the skills that you you kind of want to learn and architect your your own paths, which which kind of appeals to a lot of people. It's also very a, a great career for um, people who live in remote communities where they might not be able to get um, jobs locally in, in areas that interest them. Of course. People who are retired who still want to maybe you know work one day a week or yeah. a couple of hours a, a week or what have you. Um, stay-at-home mothers, mm-hmm. it's great for them. Um, they can look after the kids and still work in technical areas, um, professional areas, rather than have to um, you know, do you know, work in the kids' canteen or whatever it may be. So it really does give a whole lot of flexibility uh, and it also provides in many areas and parts of the world, particularly in emerging markets, you know, opportunity and income in technical areas where it's desperately needed. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll show my age here, but obviously any any freelance work that I've done has almost always been a so-called side hustle. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've liked the base of an employer-employee relationship mm-hmm. um, for its stability, maybe not for its security, because I'm, I'm at least sanguine about that. There's no such thing as that. Yep. But stability in all of this. So are the people who are finding you as a service, Are have they, do you think, just uh, rationalized or accustomed themselves to the notion that, that maybe they can try to be the architect of their careers. Maybe there's also going to be big bald patches there where they don't see anything that's coming and they have to just live with that interregnum of relative inactivity. You know? Well, I mean, it's, it's, I mean it, it, it all varies. I mean, when you join a marketplace like ours, the first job um, that you go for is actually the hardest job you'll ever get because um, you have no re- reputational feedback. You have right. to kind of fill in your profile. You have to kind of prove yourself, et cetera. So it is really tough at the beginning to get going. Um, uh, once you do get the first job uh, underway and you can start getting feedback on your profile and so forth, it does get easier and easier um, over time. If you do a good job, it's kind of hard to move up the ranks. You just keep you know, doing great work. Yeah, no, you're rated in this the way that you're rated. Yeah. yeah anything is rated it, in terms of a review. Yeah. It's very easy to drop down the ranks. So if you do something really bad, yeah. for example, you, you know, take a design from someone else on the internet, etc. That's when you yeah. change your name, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's just, well, it's yeah. very tough to do that because yeah. we, we, we check, uh, check people's identity <laughs> and so forth. But, um, but you know, my point is that once you do start getting 20 or 30 feedbacks onto your uh, profile, you actually start getting to a point where you actually get awarded jobs probably um, at a greater rate than you're able to do it yourself. Yeah. At that point, you really have a, a fork in your in your path where you can go, well, do I want to stay an individual contributor, maybe doing as a side hustle or full-time or what have you, and just you know, picking the jobs that I want to work on that I'm interested in doing, or do I actually want to start a business out of this? And um, many of the freelancers on the site now started off in a room with you know, one or two people and ended up with hundreds of people working for them. Yeah. Um, so, hmm. you know, the top freelancers of the site are actually very professional organizations. Some are actually are ISO 9001 certified, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and actually have built really, really big businesses out of this, just like you would expect um, with marketplaces like Amazon. Some of the big power sellers now are massive businesses. One of the corollaries of what I could see in your service was that the, there were a lot of highly rated people. And I would imagine that they also then have the, uh, I, I guess you could call it a luxury, but it also might be a bit of an onerous situation where they become much in demand, more in demand than they can necessarily fulfill. So in, in a lot of ways, it's it's not as uncertain or destabilized an existence in some cases if you have a good track record, right? That's right. I mean, the track record is everything. The, the, the more that you build out your profile, build out your feedback, um, you know, communicate with employers, et cetera, and in, are engaged, um, the easier it gets. Yeah. You know, at the very beginning, however, it can be daunting. And in fact, the whole freelance lifestyle at the very beginning can be daunting because you have to be 
you know, self-motivated in many ways. I mean, it's like starting a startup, for well, example. Well, and you never get to really meet your employer. That's well, actually, yeah. that's uh, in many circumstances, some of the freelancers actually do end up meeting the employers. Yeah, well, maybe eventually, and, and, but- they, and they could be on the other side of the world. We've got lots of stories where um, mm. people actually start a business together, end up being co-founders. Um, huh. as, as an example of a an app developer I know, Te- Technology is his name on on, on um, the freelancer, and um, he had gone on really really well with one of his employers building um, apps, and they've actually started the business together. They're co-founded, and now they're actually in multiple countries. They're in Australia, they're in India, and they're also in Sweden. Hmm. Uh, with with offices, so you know, and you encourage you encourage Skype or what, what you encourage face to face of some sort yeah. in the discussion, right? We have a bunch of communications tools that allow you to kind of um, yeah. do video chat, audio audio chat, um, collaborate together on projects, you know, share things, and so forth. Mm-hmm. It, one of the criticisms of the freelance area, as you know, is just that it actually doesn't provide this sort of bedrock of things like uh, benefits and a, a kind of a, a Guaranteed minimum, those types of things. How, what do you what do you try to encourage with employers in terms of their own, um, without being too laissez faire? I mean, do you get involved at all in in talking to them about what kinds of things they ought to be doing for people that become regulars with them, or or things like that? Yeah. So um, there's there's a few different angles here. Um, the first is that um, very much as I said before in this marketplace, you set your own rates. So you should, as a freelancer, not undersell yourself. You should you know, pick the rate that you, um, mm-hmm. you know, can cover not just your wages, but also make a profit and you know, pay whatever benefits you need to pay for in terms of you know, insurances and, and so forth. So that's number one, because people are always looking for quality as the first and foremost. And they will pay for it. And they will, they will pay for quality. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, just there's so many advantages to, to uh, the platform in terms of finding people fast and, and, and quick and so forth that, um, um, you know, that, that you know, outweigh, you know, you know, a pure consideration in terms of price. The the next thing is that um, there are minimums on the platform. For example, uh, in certain countries, there's minimum wages in various areas, so we don't we don't let people bid below that. Right. Um, and uh, and it also depends on jurisdictions around the world as well. So, for example, I'm not sure how, how it is in Canada, but in Australia, for example, um, casual is a uh, casual employment. Actually, uh, the minimums are much higher than full time employment because casual for a good uh, reason takes yeah. into a, a, into account that you could have extras for for you know, putting aside for. Uh, you know, various health insurances. Oh, and just the um, lack of predictability of work, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, I I was surprised at one stage in my career when I was managing a news agency um, and we had a lot of freelancers at how, um, well, first of all, how much time it consumed that actually it felt better to me to have people in the building who just went about their business were self-starters. I kind of knew what they were up to at any given point, but I was not having to almost micromanage them the way that I was having to deal with my freelancers around the world. Do companies get surprised that, that it isn't actually kind of a frictionless world out there when it comes to freelance, that you actually have to do manage them? Well, that's correct. Um, freelancing is is very direct. It's very project based. So yeah. when you manage someone, it's I'd like you to do this task, then that task, then this task, etc. When you've got full time employees, you don't always know they're actually working. Right? They could be goofing yeah. off around the water cooler or in the, in the cafe oh, yeah. or what, what have you. I think you budget um, for that. I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but the, but um, the 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 big challenge with um, uh, global, you know labor cloud like like us is that you can hire people very quickly and very easily and there is a challenge in terms of the cognitive overhead of managing another direct report 
I think there's some studies out there that said you know, we could effectively manage 50, six or seven or yeah, whatever number right, of direct yeah. reports in our life, including yeah. y- your wife, your husband, your kids, yeah. and so forth, and, and, and people that report to you at work. So when you do hire extra freelancers, um, they do actually um, require management. We're building a bunch of tools into the platform um, to make it easier for you to do this. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we have some managed services. One is called Recruiter. And what the recruiters do is, is as the name it suggests, um, they look through the, the database of 31 million people and they find the best freelancer for you, guarantee the placement, and make sure you can staff just a virtual office. Mm-hmm. We have another service called Project Management, which is really like a technical co uh, pilot. Um, so um, you may not be technical, but you want to build a website, and they, for an hourly rate, uh, will, go, will go in there and they'll kind of. So you don't really know what you need in a strict sense, huh? Correct. Yeah. And they'll, they'll take, they'll kind of translate what you need write up a specification for it, break it down into tickets, log it into um, um, a, 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 sort of a task list for freelancers to work on, and they'll interface with the recruiters to make sure that the team is staffed. And then every week they'll kind of push forward and make sure the project is uh, you know, still running towards whatever milestone you set, and they'll mm-hmm. call you once a week or you know, once a month or as often as you want uh, and do reporting. So we're, we're really trying to take that cognitive overhead of, of managing people uh, and making it easier and easier for people to actually use uh, online talent. In the uh, the roster of big companies that you work with, of course, is I mean, you could go through anyone's roster of big companies, and yours would be part of them too. Uh, what have they told you over the years about how it is that the freelance world and and, and the existence of it has come to complement them as institutions to make them stronger? Their mindset has changed 180 degrees in the last two years. Uh, two years. So, yeah. so in in the in um, we've been running this business for 10 years. In the early days of running a freelancer, I had a business development team. You'd go and see you know, large Fortune 500. You'd go see Deutsche Bank or what have you. You'd talk about the freelancer. They'd say, "This is wonderful. It's the collaborative economy. It's the future. Let's have a meeting with the stakeholders." You'd go into the, that meeting. There'd be VP legal, VP HR, VP compliance. Where's this work going? Pakistan. Have you done drug tests? No. Background checks? No. And yeah, you know, at the end of it, they'd go, look, you know, it's a phenomenal resource, but we could never, you know, consider using a platform like this because of, you know, it's it's like the, the Wild West. You know, things are going out into the cloud. You know, what about privacy? What about security? What about this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What's happened in the last two years is the, the mindset has changed completely going, this, this is actually the way, this is the future. I mean, McKinsey published a report saying that by 2030, Fifty uh, percent of U.S. workers will be freelancers. Um, there are they, they and and all the challenges and all the things they had in their mind are the same questions people had about the early days of Amazon AWS <laughs> and um, hosting your data in the cloud. Of course, yeah. yeah. Well, what happened? You know, if I put my data out there on some server shared with someone else, what's going to happen? Is it is it going to be secure? Is it going to be private? You know, where's it going to be? Etc. Et so all those. Yeah, and now you use AWS because you know it's going to be the fastest, cheapest. But isn't there also the, some kind of relenting that institutions just had to make regardless? I mean, y- yes, okay, there, there are privacy uh, protections. There are all sorts of security issues. Yes, we, we, I get all of that. But yep. but didn't they just have to loosen up anyway a bit? Um, well, they, well I, t- I tell you I tell you an anecdote from a professional. This is a big four professional services firm we're working with. Um, their next goal is to get their revenue to $60 billion a year. And they did the math on that. They had to hire three million people to make that happen, <laughs> right? So, so yeah, there is a mindset change that has to happen in, in these enterprises. Just the nature of you know the world today, and and um, you know expanding markets over the internet and so forth. Yeah, you've been generous with your time, and I, I don't want to keep you too long, but I, I do want to ask, what is it that you give in the way of advice to someone who says, you know, Matt, I'd I'd like to freelance. What what, what do you what do you give them in the way of a toolkit and say? Just make sure you've got all of this together. 
Yeah, well, the main thing is that you've got to remember your master of your own destiny. So you really need to kind of take control and kind of build your own personal brand and, yeah. you know, architect kind of you and who you are. So, you know, you, you know fill in your profile of detail, you know, detail, really try and engage with the employers, um, you know, ask questions that are relevant to, you know, what, what they're posting in the briefs. And you know, don't undersell yourself. Just uh, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, put, you know, the, put it, are there a lot of people that tend to undersell themselves more than oversell? What do you think? The- they typically do that on their first project, because yeah. like, you know, to get that f- the first runs on the board, you know, it, it's just in the, like in the real world. You know, if you start a business from scratch and you're a graphic designer, you know, your very very first job, you know, you go in there because you just want to win it. You want to get some, yeah. you want to get testimonial and some feedback and build a portfolio. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like the real world. You kind of want to get a few runs on the board. Is there an age or even a gender difference in terms of overselling, underselling? Um, Red, I, I, reticence, braggadocio, you know. I wouldn't know about that, but I, I, I there are certain, there are definitely um, differences in the types of work people do in different countries in the world, as well as um, the genders also have different types of work that they they focus on. Mm. So, for example, uh, women uh, tend to focus on things like content writing and very, very much the sort of services sort of work. Uh, men tend to be a bit more technical in the programming and so forth. Yeah. You go to Latin America, design is wonderful in Latin America. I go to China, the electronics and the manufacturing is incredible. Uh, you know, it really depends where you go. You know, Eastern Europe programming is great. And in terms of selling yourself, is there even a cultural difference, uh, country to country, that you notice? Um, yes, for sure. Some 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 countries do do a better job of selling themselves and um, yeah, having more um, detail and um, you know. And so forth, in context on you know how they uh, promote themselves and build. So their your brands. advice is uh, sell yourself properly. Yes. Um, you know, be master of your own destiny and all yep. that. What about uh, dealing with things like rejection or or the you know the. the the email alert never coming kind of thing. What, what do you have to we tell have, them about that? We have 10,000 jobs a day going through. So there's always another job coming along that you can, you know, kind of try for. Yeah. You miss this train. There'll be another train. Yeah. That's yeah right. Good. Listen, Matt, it's been great talking to you. You have a fascinating business and you're on top of a very interesting development in, in the workplace and, uh, and the external workplace, the remote workplace. So thanks a lot for your time today. Thanks for having me. Matt Berry is the CEO of Freelancer.com, and that's BIV Today. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time.